This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away. So enjoy those on us. That is freetalklive.com. To start things out here tonight... There is a pretty disturbing story that is out on ABC News, and I thought it was worth talking about here. I, I don't really know if it's it's even unexpected at this point, but this might catch some of you by surprise. According to ABC News, crime fighting uh, beats privacy in public places. Americans, by nearly a three-to-one margin, support the increased use of surveillance cameras. A measure decried by some civil libertarians, like us here on Free Talk Live, yep. uh, but credited in London with helping to catch a variety of perpetrators since the early 1990s. Now, it should be pointed out here that before we go on with the story, that in London, the crime rate is crazy. The crime is just out of control in London, and right. the I wonder cameras why. aren't doing a damn thing. It's, it's probably, well, the, cam- the cameras have lowered uh, violent crime to some extent, but violent crime increased when they outlawed guns. Yeah, that much is so true. if they just let people have their guns, they wouldn't have never had to put in these cameras. Now, these cameras are going to cost millions and millions and millions of dollars to install and run. Your dollars. Yeah, don't forget um, that there's going to have to be a bureaucrat, you know, a, a police officer watching every single one of these cameras, unless they're going to have some kind of motion detectors on them, unless they're going to have some kind of uh, sonic net gunshot detecting system where they're going to know where a bullet's going, because otherwise somebody has to watch all of these cameras all of the time, or the, or they're going to be able to look back and clean up the mess, but that's really what right. cops do. They don't stop crime. They clean up messes. Um, it does. It, it's a deterrent to criminals from committing crimes and that they might get caught because of you know recorded uh, footage or whatever, but then they wear masks and hats and all kinds of stuff that makes them unidentifiable. You know, and the, the, the thing that uh, these cameras assume is that the government is a benevolent, good organization that only has your best interests at heart. Right. And... Who's watching the watchers? It it really is true. Who's the, the, to say a bureaucrat uh, that's wa- that's monitoring these cameras won't be, say, a politically connected bureaucrat who is going to monitor the opposition party to you know get some dirt on them in order to win the next election, or uh, maybe somebody in the corporate world who is going to steal some business secrets or something like that. Now we're talking about outdoor public place cameras, but nonetheless, these are all real possibilities. Now remember, um, the Japanese Americans that were interned before uh, before and during World War Two. They were found by their census data. That's how they found these people. Were they, they checked off Japanese on the on the census? I don't know that they um, checked it off, but they they did go after Japanese surnames. I don't know that they uh, necessarily oh, filled out the information at that time. But it's pretty it's pretty um, pretty clear when uh, a guy's last name is Yokohama, uh-huh, yeah. you know where he's from. Um, so that's how they found these people. And uh, y- you know, you say it can happen here in America. It already has. It did. And if you don't think it can happen here in America. Ask the American Indians. Ask young black men how they feel they're treated currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the government is generally a benevolent organization, but what? it's not to everyone. No, it's not. Well, to me it is. It doesn't bother me generally. It just takes my money. At, um, just because at the, there's a gang out there that's not bothering you at any given moment, Mark, doesn't make them a benevolent organization. Right. It just makes you lucky. Okay. Um, the terminology should have been. Uh, I, I've been. You know, I've been lucky. They. They have uh, not. Not bothered me. I'm in right. uh, the majority. I'm. You're a white male and making you drive a nice car. Yeah. Well, I drive a crappy car because I'm driving my wife's, but still. <laughs> in general, uh, you only She's drive that driving car a darn here. nice car. Right. And. 
So, and in fact, we're going to give you some interesting breakdowns of this of these poll results because they broke it down by race and they broke it down by education and and that sort of thing. But first, the the stunning statistic: given the chief arguments pro and con, a way to help solve crimes versus too much of a government intrusion in privacy, it isn't even close. Seventy-one percent of Americans favor the increased use of surveillance cameras in public places, while twenty-five percent oppose it. London's surveillance network known as the Ring of Steel, is said to have aided in the capture of suspects, including those attempt, accused of an attempted bombing in June. A similar system is coming to New York City, which plans 100 new surveillance cameras in downtown Manhattan by year's end, and 3,000 both public and private by 2010. Now, the unspoken assumption in that plan is that the government will somehow be interfacing with your private cameras. See, there's already businesses in New York City that rightfully have put up video cameras on their premises. And I want to make it clear that that's A-OK with me. I don't feel threatened by Walmart or Target or whoever having a, a whole ream of cameras up in their store. doesn't bother me one iota because I understand the reason why those are there. Those cameras aren't going to be used against me by Target's loss control department. Those cameras are there to protect the store, to protect the customers in the store uh, from thieves and from other situations. And that's okay, because if you stop thieves, then that means that their costs uh, don't go up and they can keep their prices as low as possible. So there are very concrete, understandable reasons uh, for, for having private video cameras. But that's again, this is about public cameras, and in the case of public cameras, cameras on street corners, cameras... Out in public, 71% of Americans are for this concept. Well, you said something about they're going to be hooking into these private cameras. Right. Now, that's really scary because then the government can go in and see what you're buying in the store. They're already having you fill out things if you're buying too much stuff. If I they're able point- to right. follow you around and see what you're buying in the store, that's really scary. That is... Um, it- that's what I believe to be the case, but I haven't seen anything really concrete on that yet. Okay. Because they're talking about, well, we're going to have 3,000 cameras, both public and private. And it sounds like they want to sort of hook in to existing private cameras. I'm not sure if that's how it's going to pan out. Maybe they won't do that right away. Maybe that'll be for, uh, for down the line sometime. But nonetheless, Chicago and Baltimore also plan expanded surveillance systems as well. Critics, including the ACLU, have opposed the systems, arguing they invade privacy and could be used to track innocent people. You think? Nonetheless, majority support for surveillance cameras crosses political, ideological, and population groups, albeit with differences in degree. Seniors are the most apt to support the increased use of these cameras, with under 30s the least so. Now, isn't that interesting? Wouldn't you think that it'd be the other way around, at least as far as since the government controls the education system in this country and they've been progressively getting sort of more and more socialist and more effective at at uh, indoctrinating young people in America wouldn't you think that the young people in America would be just as likely to support the cameras i don't know the old people have been around this government so long they've had longer to be indoctrinated maybe they're not as hardcore in their younger school age days but they've been indoctrinated through their all their lives collecting their social security Medicare, all that that good stuff that they've been getting from the government, uh, I think that they've probably more up because they've been indoctrinated longer, been under its powers longer. Maybe, maybe the case. Also, again, they were questioning the uh, the respondents in regards to 
the point the point they made on the pro argument was that it will help solve crimes, and of course, I think lowering crime is probably a pretty popular concept among the uh, the oldster population. Yeah, that makes sense too. Um, and th- maybe a lot of young people are not necessarily criminals, but criminals by law in that they smoke marijuana or uh, do some other crime that isn't really uh, harming anybody else, and maybe that's affecting the way they're thinking on this issue. Love to hear what you think as far as the discrepancies here. Um, why old people are more likely to support the increased use of public cameras at 800-259-9231. Republicans are more likely to support it than Democrats. Women more likely to support it than men. Maybe that's because of the, you know, the whole protect, you know, what women in general sort of this is a stereotype, okay? They are looking for protection, right? They want a man that will protect them. In this case, they want the government to protect them. This is why we see so few women in the libertarian movement, because it's just, you know, it leaves defense up to you. And that's kind of scary. That and, um, you know, the the, the whole uh, women generally don't like guns as much as men do. Higher. This one's really interesting. Higher educated people more than less educated now, of course, by educated, they mean how long you've stayed in the government school system from, element, from you know, elementary all the way up through college. So the longer you've stayed in the system, the more likely you are to support cameras. Hmm. That's interesting. Makes sense. So <laughs> there's a little bit more on this story. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. Bring up whatever you want, your analysis, if you'd like to uh, chime in on this, uh, this surveillance issue. I... I can't say I'm really shocked or surprised. Almost three-fourths of Americans want to be surveilled more by the government. Yikes. Three Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. one 800 259 9231, and it is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site for free. We've got archives. An entire year's worth of the show, front page of the website for your download and convenience at freetalklive.com. So do enjoy those on us. And as the dollar continues to drop, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to d2z.org and add the right precious metal mining stocks to your portfolio. That's d2z.org. 800-259-9231. We're talking about a study, scientific study done by ABC News, that has found not totally unexpected results, but some of, you know, this might be so uh, surprising to some of you that are relatively new to this program. It's a warning, if nothing else. That is that 71% of Americans are in favor of increased use of surveillance cameras by the government in public places. So it's very important to differentiate between government surveillance and private property surveillance. So they're in favor of government surveillance under the auspices of, it will help solve more crimes. I don't have anything to hide. Now, I don't actually have any quotes from any of the people that uh, that answered the survey, but we do have a breakdown, statistical breakdown here that I found kind of interesting. We found that they found that uh, seniors are more likely to support the cameras than under 30s. Republicans more likely than Democrats. Women more likely than men. Higher educated people more likely than less educated people. And I think that's kind of very interesting because it shows that 
just because you've been through higher education doesn't mean you're any more intelligent. It just means that you, you learned a few extra things about certain topics uh, because the lower educated people, they get it on this issue. And uh, believe and here's one, uh, whites more than African-Americans. In fact, there's quite a discrepancy there. Let me get the, uh, the actual numbers up from the survey. 63% of blacks support increased surveillance, while 73% of whites support increased surveillance. High school graduates or less, 64%. College graduates or higher, 74%. So a full 10-point uh, disparities there. That's some pretty significant differences. Democrats, 66% support. Republicans, 81% support. Independents, 71%. Men, 66%. Women, 75%. People 65 plus 80 percent and young people 61 percent. So uh, there's almost a 20 percent difference there between young people and uh, and the oldsters. So if you want to comment on this, 800-259-9231. And the article just basically sums up what I just told you. So there you go. Uh, your next door neighbor, your friends at school, odds are good. They support increased use of uh, of government surveillance cameras. And these cameras aren't actually going to stop crime. They may catch a criminal here nope. or there, but it's just going to push the crime into somewhere there the, where there's not a camera, whether right. it be in someone's house or a back alley somewhere. It's not actually going to stop any crime. I like what Mark said the other day, and that is that it's just going to encourage more people to wear masks and you know, disguise themselves. Already, the, the the people that are in the age bracket for committing crime, and that is males 14 to 24, wear baseball caps. They wear them with flat bills, and they wear them off, cocked off to the side. Are mm-hmm. you telling me that there can't be some other hat fashion that comes into play because it's practical? Right. I mean, it it you know, practicality kind of does drive fashion to some extent or another. I just say the sombreros will come into fashion or something though. They're they're like anyway. I think it's disturbing. I think it's expected. It really shows how effective the government brainwashing has been in this country. That we're all just. I mean, most people in America are ready to just bend over for the surveillance state. And if if we allow this to happen, then what's the next step? Are they going to put cameras in your home? Because well, if they're all throughout the streets and people start committing crimes in people's houses. Well, then the what? criminals would have to have them first, and so they'll lay exactly. them down like that. And Felons will get them first. What, right. uh, the cameras in the home? Yeah. I, and it's been proposed in Houston. I understand that it's proposed, but um, you know, maybe on probation, but I'm a convicted felon. You're not putting a camera in my house. Well, if uh, we say we're going to put a camera in your house, we darn well will. Sir. What happens if I break it? Well, we're going to charge you with a crime. That's tampering with government property. Mm, sorry. Vandalism. Sorry. What if I put a box over it? Well, that's tampering. You have to allow it to monitor, it. Uh, monitor your home at all times. Well you, well, you can put me in jail We're now, gonna, bureaucrat. Yeah, well, that's what they'll do. That's what they're going to have to do. Then you're going to be do. monitored even more. I'm going to be the first one on their news um, You know, on their news when they start putting these things in. A guy who's been free out of prison for 10 years, who's made a life for themselves, who has a loving wife, you know, sorry, you're going to have to go ahead and ruin some families. So, again, what's the next step, right? Because if cameras are out... On the streets, inevitably, some politician is going to want to put it into people's homes. Yeah, they will. Uh, and not only that, but once cameras are in homes, then there's some pretty scary things that can happen, too. Because, well, I mean, this could also be an excuse to put cameras in homes, because presuming government continues on the path that it is on right now, and that is getting bigger, expanding, uh, more intrusive than ever. We've got people that would like to make it so the government is in charge 100% of health care in this country. 
There is a large amount of people in America that support the concept of so-called universal health care. And, and when the government and more can, and more now that we, you know, we have health care is, is a major portion of the economy. Every time they tick it up a little bit, we got to help the old people. We have to help the poor people. We have to help the right. babies. We have to help, you know, we have to help the minorities. We Whatever it is that you have to help. Well, now, whenever one of those people smokes, it affects my tax bill. Whenever one of those people eats a cheeseburger, it affects my tax bill. Right. So what you can have is when the government totally gets in control of health care, which I hope that we never get to that day in this country, uh, but I never really thought we'd get to the day when there were thousands of surveillance cameras on the streets. We're almost there. Um, so once that happens, then the government's going to say, well, uh-huh, you're receiving uh, federal tax dollars in order to take care of your health. So we're going to have to put a camera in your kitchen watching your refrigerator to make sure that you aren't you know, eating unhealthy things. And now, again, you think I'm exaggerating. You think this is impossible. It's very well possible. Maybe they'll start only with the obese. You know, oh, well, you don't qual- – sorry, you, your BMI is too large. You, you're going to have to get some cameras monitoring your home. We need to make sure you're exercising. You've got a mandatory uh, exercise period in the, uh, during the daytime, uh, 30 minutes a day. We will be watching. And if you are not exercising, we will come and put you in a re-education camp. Am I being extreme? Is this? Do you think this is totally impossible? If we continue down the same path, that's the logical end of where we're going to end up. That is correct. That's why we need to stop this um, right now. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Glenn in Missouri. You're on Free Talk Live. Glenn, hello. Good day. Hey, what's on your mind, Glenn? Hey, I wanted to comment on that survey. Yeah. Um, Two thoughts. First, I, I doubt if there were many people who answered that survey from a principled privacy or civil liberty standpoint. Of course not. I'm sure. Yeah. If there second, were, they were in I the think, 20% that uh, don't want cameras. Yeah. And secondly, I think the survey results reflect what I, what I would call the fear factor, in that who do you fear more? Do you fear the government more, or do you fear criminals more? And that the fact that lower-educated, lower-income, or younger people were against the cameras more than the elderly or the richer reflects that they have had more negative experiences with police. That's a great analyzation, and, and I really appreciate you bringing that up. It's absolutely the case. Thank you for that call, Glenn. 800-259-9231. I believe him. I, yeah, I, I have to say that's a pretty cl- correct analysis. On the way here, uh, your calls, Justin and Tim, will get to you. Ladies, come first if you make the call, girls. 800-259-9231. Also, <laughs> there's a question being asked about the helicopter crash you might have heard about in the news earlier this week that I find absolutely absurd, and I can't even believe people are seriously considering it. We'll talk about that here in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens and dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean? By heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. 
Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Let's go right to the phones and to the fun talk to, it is Tim in Detroit. You're on Free Talk Live. Tim, hello. Hey, how you guys doing? Super. Good. What's on your mind? All righty. Uh, first, uh, uh, I just discovered you guys on the web. I'm just surfing and I found you guys. Congratulations, Tim. Uh, <laughs> little background. I'm... I'm 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 a lib, but I'm not a bleeding heart lib. There's a difference. Okay. <laughs> um, you live I'm, in the real world, huh? In, pardon me. I said you live in the real world, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I'm not against guns. I believe in the right to bear arms. Uh, we'll challenge that on you. <laughs> uh, African American male uh, out of Detroit area. Cool. And uh, about that surveillance thing. I got mixed emotions about it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, First, I feel that it's not the government's business what I do behind closed doors or whatever. But at the same time, understanding, like you say, the real world, I don't want cameras out there. I mean, like you said, you could be sitting on your porch and uh, your kid do something wrong and, you know, what the parents don't do today, you might have to uh, inflict some old-fashioned discipline. In other words, a right foot therapy, if you know what I'm saying. Sure, and, and a uh, lot of people do that sort of thing. And I think that you bring up an excellent point. And, um, and, and, get, and you get caught doing it, next thing you know, loving parent is in jail for child abuse. Right, it's hard to raise a kid when you're in a jail cell, and uh, kids are always uh, are never better off uh, in the hands of the state, in the hands of the, the foster care system. What could be worse? But yeah, you know, it's like, I, you know, and I, like I said, I just tune into you guys, so no, I guess you guys are pretty much libertarian. Yep, that would be a fair description. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we, yeah we, we vary in our levels of libertarianism. Uh, I am a free marketeer, while Mark believes in a just a little bit of government uh, around. I, well, I personally I'm, have nothing. I'm kind of there with Mark a little bit. Like yeah. I said, way I, I guess the way I look at, it, I understand individual freedoms, and but I feel like, for example. I'm an adult. I'm a young man. Uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm 40 years old, but mm-hmm. still. And I pay my dues to this country. I go to work every day, pay my bills. And, I can't, you know, some of us feel once you've achieved, you know, you become a senior citizen or whatever, in my opinion, you should have carte blanche in this country. If you're going to pay your dues for the next generation, then the next generation maybe have some obligation. That's my liberalism right there. But as far as your individual freedom, government has no right to tell you what to do, how to live. Or I agree with that. Now, hold on, Tim. I want to I ask you something. Um, now, we yes, have uh, proposed on, on this program that Social Security is, in fact, a racist program. And he, he, let, me, let me posit something um, to you. Who lives, well, longer, um, who lives longer, men or women? Women. Technically, yeah, they do. From my Generally, now, I'm just talking about statistics here. Who Average lives about seven, eight years? Yeah, um, who lives longer, rich people or poor people? You know what? <laughs> That's a good one. Mostly, I've seen a lot of, mostly I've seen rich a lot people. Of poor people live. I'll live uh, a lot of. Uh, Rich folks. It, it, you can find anomalies in all of it, but statistically, rich people live longer. They're just able to, you know, they're able to afford better, better medical care. That's the long and the short of it. And uh, who lives longer, black people or white people? Naturally or in the, in the it, world? It, in the real world, <laughs> in, here in America. <laughs> here in America, blacks don't live 
that long. No, they don't. They, you know, black guys seem to be uh, you know, have heart conditions a lot of times, and plus there's you know some crime issues well, yeah, too. Yeah, that, that's because of diet and right. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes it's hereditary. It's sometimes. And now, um, yeah. so what you've got is you've got for every um, one rich white woman out there getting Social Security, you have three poor black men paying her Social Security. Most most black men don't live. Um, long enough, not most. Um, fewer black men lo- live long enough to to get Social Security than white, rich white women do. I think I understand where you're going. Somebody that's let's say, for example, has a retirement of let's say ten thousand, a very well-to-do 401k, mm-hmm. and they're like getting ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars a month, or something like that. Uh, I don't think but, Social Security goes that high. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. I'm talking about if someone that's got that and they already receiving their it. pension. Gotcha. Well, yeah, pension or something like that. But but in my kind of way, I feel even that rich person, if they paid their dues to society and contributed to that tax base that gave us Social Security, then they have a right to it. I I you know, the, I know that they the paid same, in. I believe that they should they do they did pay in. I believe that they should get their money back. Um, you know, some kind of money right, back. You're out. just pointing out but the government. Tool. If you die the day after you quit work, you know, the day after your 65th birthday. It's not like yeah. you, you get to keep your Social Security. It's gone. I don't know if your spouse gets it for some period of time or whatever, but it doesn't go on to your heirs or anything. Right, if you took on. that 15% of your paycheck that goes into Social Security that you pay in, which it's 75 that you pay in and 75 your employer pays in, but if you take that 15% and you put it away in a bank account someplace... You, you die could, a millionaire. Right. You, you, could, <laughs> right you can, and then you can give it to your heirs. Right. Your, your children can have that's it, because, instead of the government getting, getting to keep it. Well, that's because Social yeah. Security isn't actually an investment. It's actually right. a money redistribution plan where there's no money that's put away for you. The money that's being paid out to Social Security recipients is being taxed today from younger people. And, you know, the Tim, problem, I'm glad you... I think was the real big problem with Social Security was the problem was it, it's not – they haven't let it do – what it was supposed to do. People no, are, the problem, Tim, is that, the, pot. The problem, the problem, Tim, is that uh, you aren't free to make choices for yourself. That's what the problem always is with government mandates. Um, again, as Mark pointed out, if you were free to keep the money that you earned and invested in the way that you thought was best, you would do far better than anyone on Social Security simply by putting it in a low-yield bank account. But, Tim, I'm glad That's you found the, the show. I think you're going to find a lot that. to agree and disagree with with us and stick with us. We hope to hear from you again. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line to Justin in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Justin? Hello, Justin in Maryland. Yeah, I'd like to talk about the NAU. The uh, North American Union? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I do agree with you about that surveillance thing. I don't agree with that wholeheartedly. That's good. I think that's anti-freedom. I think there are a lot of people listening to our show that are going to be on our side on that one. But uh, go ahead with the uh, the NAU, sir. What do you have, what do you have in mind? Well, you said it yourself that when government expands, it's like a bubble. And eventually it's going to pop, you know. Sooner or later it can't support itself. Yeah, it can't support itself. All governments who oppress the people will eventually fail. It's true. It it just happens historically. But has there been any victories against the NAU? I mean... The the North American Union, are you talking about, um, you know, the the Amero and that kind of thing? Yeah, has there been any, uh, like, things to kind of like slow it down at this point there's there's no there's no evidence of uh, other than a like a website and a little bit of stuff going on behind the scenes 
of it happening. I mean, Ron Paul speaks out against it. He says the Congress has never even, he's never voted on anything to do with it. Yeah, I don't believe anything has ever come up for, uh, for a vote at this point. At this I, point, it's like a, uh, it's a shadowy, scary thing that's off somewhere in the future. Well, it, I think it will come sooner than we think, but I don't think it's going to last, and I don't think the people are going to tolerate it. The people know about it. Unlike what happened with the EU, no one knew about it. I don't know if that's the case. Is that true? No one knew that the EU was coming down the pipe? I don't think they, they, they knew the uh, level that the EU would be um, Well, of course not. Life. Who's going to sit there and read the damn Constitution? I mean, that thing was hundreds of pages long. Yeah, it's they, the same thing with any thought, law that They gets thought it passed. was an economic agreement to get a uh, yeah. single currency, to give them the uh, kind of trading power. And that's how they'll You've pull it figure, off here. California has as much, um, does as much business in the world as France does. Hey, you so, know, oh, boy. Justin, we'll, uh, we'll certainly keep our eyes open, and I'm sure that if something happens that you could take action on, we'll let you know. And thank you for the call. Appreciate hearing Bye. from you at 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. Mark, you had something about the uh, surveillance state here mm-hmm. in a few moments. Also, the question that's being asked about the helicopter crash that you won't believe. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site we give away that we do ask you voluntarily support the show by purchasing some products at store.freetalklive.com. Great quality merchandise with the Free Talk Live logo emblazoned upon it. Uh, see what I mean? Head over to store.freetalklive.com. You know, um, during the break, Mark, you had suggested that it was a little too, too little too late as far as uh, Tim in Detroit was concerned. But you had suggested... That uh, we give him the political quiz to take, the sure. world's smallest political quiz. He, th- he thinks he's a liberal, uh, likely because he's only been given a couple of choices. He's been right. given the choice of li- um, liberal, moderate, or conservative. And he says he's not terribly liberal, which leads me to believe that he could, a- and listening to what he said, that he's very likely going to fall in on the world's smallest political quiz as a libertarian and not a liberal. Or the world's smallest political quiz was come, uh, was created by the Advocates for Self-Government, and it's a great little 10-question quiz you can give to anybody. They sell them on their website, or you can just point somebody to their website, and they can take it online. And They have it for uh, PDAs, too. I, I have one on my uh, yeah, little phone. My little they've really done a fantastic raspberry. job on, on making it easily accessible. Um, but they used to have a, a URL that linked directly to it, and they don't have that anymore. So um, we created one during the break. It's quiz.freetalklive.com. It'll take you, it won't take you to our website. It'll take you to the Advocates for Self-Government website, right to the, the, uh, the quiz Shoom, page. Right in there. Uh, so, in fact, I'm going to test it right now to make so sure it quiz.freetalklive.com. Correct. And I would uh, encourage Tim to go ahead and take that quiz. Now. Yep, there it is. Uh, quiz it's only ten thing. questions. Yeah, yeah, and it'll let you know uh, where your current viewpoints are. That doesn't mean you, you know, you aren't subject to change. You certainly are. The longer you listen to Free Talk Live, there's a good chance you might move up the chart. Right. Uh, well, he sounded a lot like I did when I first listened to Free Talk Live. Like I agree on some things, but mixed emotions. Uh, yeah, very mixed emotions. So I encourage him to listen more, and I'm sure that um, if he does. Hey, there's a good chance he will change. Indeed, mm-hmm. indeed. Um, all right, so Mark, let's jump into your email here. You had something in regards to the surveillance state. We were talking earlier about how the vast majority of Americans, 71% of Americans, support increased government surveillance of public places. I find it very frightening. Go ahead with your, uh, your email. Uh, Steve has an email, and I know that it's going to upset you greatly, but I think it's insightful and interesting. Um, Steve says, uh, hey, guys. We've discussed state surveillance in a couple of recent episodes. You, excuse me. You've um, discussed state surveillance in a couple of recent episodes. Cameras, airport, etc. 
I want to suggest two ways in which increased surveillance might be useful towards the libertarian cause in a pragmatic, if not a principled way. First, imagine how altercations... Increased surveillance by government. Correct. Okay. Uh, First, imagine how altercations with the police would change in a total surveillance state. I don't think that I really need to finish this thought. The implications would be obvious. Police misconduct depends on secrecy, and their words and their word against yours, cameras eliminate this. That's true. So cameras might be uh, beneficial in some ways to you know keep cops from kicking people's butts. All right, assuming that we're allowed to watch all the cameras and get all access to all the tapes. It it's going to take a um it's it's going to take a significantly larger level of cover up. Like now, if I'm a cop and uh, you know somebody accuses another cop of uh, beating somebody up, I just say didn't happen, couldn't happen, not not one of my guys, wouldn't happen. Right. Whereas if I'm confronted with the tape. And then I have to decide illegally not to give it over to the defense or the prosecution or whomever. That's a that's a different level of involvement. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it wouldn't happen. It certainly does happen today. But there are good people in uh, good people trying to do their best inside the poli- these police departments that would just sort of um, that just sort of they they give the nod to their the guys on their side. I see where the I see where the guy's coming from, but it's not a, something. It's not something I'm willing to trade. I'm not oh, willing to I, trade my privacy for the chance that some bad cops might get caught. I, he's not saying that we should either. It's just what could happen. Okay, it, my, the words might, could, those kind of things show right. up a lot in here. Second, I think a lot of petty crimes are tolerable only because enforcement is so random and rare. Take the number one criminal violation in America: speeding. If technology could be used to uh, bust every speeder every time, most people would stop speeding because speed limits right now are artificially low. Universal compliance with the law would cause massive traffic problems and the uh, public would revolt and demand higher legal speed limits. (laughs) And the state could no longer use speeding laws to raise revenue. 100% enforcement would mean 100% compliance and they would lose major source of revenue from speeding tickets or at least 99% compliance. And that's kind of... In, interesting, insightful, which likely. may be why you won't ever see anything like uh, like that. As far as speeding cameras everywhere, you may not see that. Could be. Third, if some machines wanted to examine me at the airport and record every minutia related to my body functions and/or possessions, but could do it instantly, I would trade that for for the current procedure any day. I really don't care what they know or see on me. I have nothing to hide. I do care about being made to wait, and this is what a lot of people care about. This is their major issue mm-hmm. with the TSA. But if you hold the opposite view, you can take some solace in one thing. The government does not want machines to replace TSA agents because the TSA agents is largely a uh, job program anyway. That's a good point. It's uh, it's a bureaucracy like any other, and their incentive is to grow, not contract. Yep. So you know, just some just some thoughts on the uh, the, the the whole uh, 1984. Not very world. persuasive to me. I, mean, I, I understand. He's not. We're not trying to persuade you okay. that cameras are a good idea, Ian. Right. I don't think anybody, including Steve, would say, yes, please I, give us cameras. I appreciate he's trying to look on the bright side and everything, but uh, no thanks. You know, what he said about speeding cameras, if we put them everywhere, we uh, eventually everyone would be caught speeding because pretty much everyone speeds. That's very true of a lot of crimes in general. I know on Free Minds TV a couple of weeks back we covered a story that said uh, more than 60% of all people admit to some sort of petty crimes that they really? could go to jail for. Meaning that if everyone who... Like smoking a joint? Yeah, something like that, smoking a joint, something something illegal that they could go to jail for. If all of those people were caught on tape and caught and put in jail for it, <laughs> that means 60% of people would be in jail. And the rest being paid for by the additional 40%, well, I think that the... Petty crimes would, would probably there. be uh, fines, tickets, that kind of thing anyway. That's true. 
Could be. The system inevitably, um, once it gets too top-heavy, can't sustain itself. Right. There's no doubt about it. I that. think the worst thing about the cameras is that it just cows the American people a little bit more. Um, you know, they when when the people uh, when the, when the government fears the people, there's liberty, and when when the uh, people fear their government, it's tyranny. Right. And I forget who that's if, a paraphrase. I don't know who it is, but when the government has all those cameras, who's scared of who? I know that I would not feel very free walking down streets where I knew that some government bureaucrat could be monitoring my every move. Would and not make me I, feel and free. having I would, to pay for it. I would feel like a, uh, like a kept hamster or something like that, like a, someone's little pet. 800-259-9231. Here is the question that I just couldn't believe was actually being asked. I suppose it makes sense, though, in this day and age of uh, socialist indoctrination in government schools. The question was, and it was the headline of this story from ABC News, is Chase Suspect responsible for copter crash deaths? How anyone could even ask that question is completely beyond me. In case you don't know, earlier this week, uh, there was a high-speed car chase and in Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. and two helicopters, news helicopters, were following the situation. They collided with one another and crashed, and four people died. In, in that instance, it's definitely not the uh, suspect's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, the, but the cops are actually suggesting it might be. Well, that's because they generally uh, try to take all collateral uh, damage and ascribe it to the criminal. But in this case, the newsmen uh, were doing what the newsmen did because th- that's what they wanted to do. Right. It's, it's, it wasn't their job. It wasn't a reasonable, uh, foreseeable thing that could happen that the, the, um, you know, the criminal would know about. Whereas, what about if the police are giving chase and one of them gets into an accident and dies? What they do don't think? have to give chase. In fact, there are some police departments around the country that I think rightfully are uh, in- implementing a no-chase policy. Yeah, because, that makes a lot of sense, too. Right, because it's not worth it uh, to chase after some common criminal when uh, their officers could get killed in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the process. Or other innocent people. I that, mean, too. Especially if you're doing it in a place with a highly populated area or in some kind of a city. They're crashing into other people, killing innocent bystanders. You know, the headline of this story... Um, the police could be just as culpable as the criminals for giving exactly. chase. I mean, what's the difference? I don't have a... <laughs> there was, There is no chase unless the police chase. Right. If that suspect drives off, he'll realize the police aren't behind him. He's like, oh, they're not chasing what me. What about I'm a bank screwed. robbery? I mean, I don't know what the what the instance was with this uh, this criminal, what mm-hmm. they were doing. But what if that um, what if that person robs a bank? What if they murdered somebody? What if they murdered your uh, Julia? Mm-hmm. Do you want them to say, oh, well, I got their uh, license plate number, and when it shows up, we'll uh, be sure to let you Look, know. Look, the Mr. fact Bernard. is these police chases result in property damage. They result in people, innocent people dying. Uh, the last thing I w- would want is somebody else, some innocent folk, uh, folks on the, the road dying as a result of a police officer losing control of his vehicle or the suspect losing control of his vehicle uh, and uh, increasing the body count. No, thank you. You know, um, what you, I think that the majority of the time they're not chasing after murderers or no, real absolutely criminals. would ag- agree with you there. I think that the majority of the crimes being committed are um, drug crimes, which I would uh, legalize just. Oh, across the board. Or people just getting scared and not pulling over. If you've ever watched Cops before, any of their high-speed chases... But why chases, are they getting scared and pulling, not pulling over? They, some of them, they don't have a driver's drug license. Warrants. It's drug warrants. Whatever it is, it's usually not murder that they, they get chased for. Uh, anyway, I just no, thought it was... usually it's not. I just thought it was amazing that that question even made it into a news article, that someone was even asking that question. 
that uh, the guy who was in the chase could possibly be responsible for those who decided to give chase for their choices and their actions. Hour number two is on the way. Vegan sexuals. What's that? We'll find out. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Starting things out this hour with uh, vegan sexuals. Mark, what's that all about? Did you ask me to have that ready? I'm sorry. Yes, I did ask you. I thought you, you had it. I'm sorry. No, I, hold on just a second. That's I'm your ready. show prep. That's fine. I've got other things we can discuss. Is this going to take you a little while, Mark? I'm loading right as we speak. All right. So on the way here, uh, this hour, if we can get to it, we'll talk about... We mentioned we touched on health care uh, a little while ago. Just touched on it in hour number one. But Walter Williams has a few things to say. And when Walter Williams has a few things to say, it behooves you to listen to what Walter Williams has to say. So hopefully uh, we will get to that. And now, Mark, with vegan sexuals. It says, carnivore sex off the menu. No sex, please. You're a carnivore. A new phenomenon (laughs) in New Zealand is taking the idea of um, you are what you eat to an extreme. Vegan sexuals are people who do not eat any meat or animal products and um, who choose not to be sexually intimate with non-vegan partners whose bodies, they say, are made up of dead animals. So that that means that they won't sleep with with, uh, vegetarians? Presumably not, no. Presumably not. You, if you're a vegetarian, you are still consuming products that have animal byproducts in them. Yeah, that sounds like a really crappy reason not to uh, be in a relationship. It's got to be hard enough to find vegans. Uh, being a vegan, it must be hard enough to find a mate who wants to put up with your crap. <laughs> but the, you know, the thing is, is once you're a vegan, that's a large portion of your life. Look, totally. It, 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 it's more great. so than vegetarian. It's great and everything, but you have to pay. No, it's a, not great. A, it's pay petty. attention to everything you eat. Right. You have to. It's obsessive and crazy. It, it is obsessive. It really is. Um, in today's society, it's very difficult. It's one thing to choose not to eat, you know, slabs of meat and say, you know, um, or. You know, to have meat in things. It's it's another thing entirely to know whether there's been any kind of animal products in uh, made in the, the the making of something. Oh, was this uh, done in uh, animal fat, animal lard, or was it done in vegetable yeah. oil? I can't. I'm sorry, I can't have those French fries. You have to spend your free time figuring out what you're going to eat, basically. I, I can't imagine how somebody even uh, has a real job and is a vegan <laughs> at the same time. I, it just seems nuts. And secondly. I mean, of course they're vegan sexuals. Who the heck else would put up with that? I sure would. A, a friend of mine's wife, um, for medical reasons, was a vegetarian. Not because she was, you know, very concerned about the fuzzy bunnies or anything like that. It right. just wasn't good for her. She it just it didn't didn't work for her. Okay. So when he'd go out with me, we'd eat meat. He he wanted to go out with me as often as possible. Um, and when we were at at his house, we had all kinds of things with tofu in it and and that kind of thing. So, you know, I mean, she she lived with it and and he loved her, so he put up with it. But I can only imagine if, uh, you know, you had to listen to somebody who did it for the reasons of 
Oh, but the bunnies and the puppies. Oh, <laughs> you know, uh, God, who would want to hear that crap every day? There's no way this could be possible without the internet, without that niche market to get online and find other people like that. I just can't Absolutely. imagine that there would be that. How this would spread? How would you find enough? Potential mates. I don't know. Did did the concept of vegan even exist before the internet? I couldn't tell you that for certain. It would seem that beyond finding just potential mates, that's difficult certain, enough right. as is. But it would be difficult to figure out what you can eat without the internet around sure. either. Well, people likely drove vegetarians into vegan into being vegans. What do you mean? Well, because um, people would say, well, what are, you know, vegetarians would uh, you know be like, oh, you shouldn't eat that. It's uh, animal meat. Well, what are you doing eating that cheese? That came oh, yeah, from cows. Yeah. Cow, that, <laughs> those cows were bred to, you know, um, unnaturally produce a large amount of milk. That's right. terrible. What about those eggs you're eating? Those are those could have been chickens. So you're saying they got razzed into it, basically? Yeah, I, that's what I think. <laughs> that's I mean, interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. And then the, the fact is, uh, oh, yeah, vegans, you're right. vegans got razzed into being uh, fruitarians. That's how fruitarians there came about. There are three fruitarians in the world. I don't think <laughs> there's anybody who's... I mean, there are hardly any vegans out there. Like but, a percentage of a percentage you know, of a once percentage. Once you can show the vegans um, that uh, the animals react... or Excuse me, the plants react to the uh, killing of flies in the other room. That whole experiment that was done oh, yeah. that shows that um, plants do have reactions Then we're going to have dirt, their dirtarians. <laughs> so that's that's what leave, left the fruitarians because the fruitarians only eat things that fell off of oh, plants. Oh right, so they were already dead. Well, they're they're not. How did they know they weren't? Those fruits weren't screaming on the ground. I mean, well, screaming in their own little fruit little way. Screaming or, or not, they're not going to get back up to the tree and live. That's true. So um, you know, they're at that point <laughs> the, the the fruit fruitarians. Are about as legitimate as you can get. Well, could they could they eat roadkill? <laughs> um, I don't already dead. I don't know. No, they're I don't against think the so. whole eating meat thing, I guess. But, but there are people that uh, they, there's some other terminology for people that basically hunt and dumpster dive dumpster, and yeah. They, they eat garbage and, and that kind of things in order to uh, those not make... Fruit- breathe, are those oh. the breathe- breatharians? No, yeah. that's Wiley Brooks. No. We, uh, we interviewed him. Nuts. I remember who you're talking about. Those people are yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So uh, what, now a fruitarian, I guess if the fruitarian was really hungry, but the tree wasn't actually ready to drop anything... Shake it a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Would that violate the rules? I think it would. I think so. Pretty, to, pretty firmly. You'd have to but, sort of squirm around under there the, for a you while. You remember the guy from the, from the story of the fruitarians. He was like 120 pounds. He was starving. I mean, he was... Yeah. <laughs> you can't really live up here in the northeast. <laughs> no. What do you do in winter? <laughs> I don't know. It's craziness. It really is. Are you a vegan? How can you, how can you live in a house made out of wood? <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> yeah. cut down trees. Yeah, right. Some, somebody cut down those trees so that you could live in that house. Those trees suffered and died so you could live it's in that house. just nuts. It is It nuts. really is nuts. Let me go on with a silly, and, and really, silly story. As though, and, and what I really find most interesting about the vegetarians and the vegans and those guys is... It's one thing to to personally change your habits for whatever reason. You know, whether you're concerned about the pretty, pretty little animals or you just can't eat the food, certain foods. It's one thing to change your personal habits. It's another thing to go out and set up tables out in public and advocate veganism and, you know, set up tables that with poster size photos of animals being butchered and, you know, try to basically persuade people into becoming vegans um, as though you're actually going to get through to any significant percentage of the population. Most as people though, are very, very happy with their status as carnivores. That's correct. Most people are. As though you're going to really make a difference 
in stopping people from eating meat. It's not going to happen. People have called this show to try to convince us to to not eat meat. Well, I've seen the people with their tables. The I college think Metal kids. Giant makes the best uh, argument, but he comes from an entirely different angle than most uh, you know vegans come from. Yeah, it's just not persuasive to me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You had something. Uh, the co-director of the New Zealand Center for Human and Animal Studies in Canterbury University, Annie Potts, said she coined the term after using the research on the lives of cruelty-free consumers. Cruelty-free <laughs> consumption in New Zealand, a national report on the uh, perspectives and experiences of vegetarians and other ethical consumers, asked 157 all of them they could find, I'm sure, people nationwide about everything from battery um, battery chickens. What the hell is battery chickens? To sexual preferences. Wiki that. Okay. Um, well, you wiki. No, I'm, okay, I'm reading. Yeah, I can do that. Many female respondents uh, described being attracted to people who ate meat but said that they did not want to have sex with meat eaters because their bodies were made up of animal carcasses. Oh, interesting. Who would, have, who would have the most difficult time? Would it be more difficult for a... A male vegan to refuse a female meat eater, an attractive female meat eater, or would it be more difficult for a female vegan to re- uh, to refuse an attractive male meat eater? Um, I would say absolutely, it would be uh, more difficult for males to refuse. Look, they they may not be predators in the uh, the sense of what they eat, but they are still predators in the sense of what they want to have sex with. I'm sorry, that's just the the anim- the, the male animal, and uh, to think that they're going to give up the opportunity because Oh, she she consumes dead animal carcasses. No, this is a uh, this is a, a double X chromosome driven uh, uh, phenomenon. Battery. And notice chi- they said that uh, this was women, not men. Battery chickens uh, is it redirects to factory farming. So it's just a it's chickens in cages. Chickens in cages. Gotcha. Good. Um, it's a whole new thing. I have not come across it before. Said Potts. One uh, vegan respondent from Christchurch said, "I believe." Um, I believe that we are uh, we are what we consume, so I really struggle with bodily fluids, especially sexually. Another Christchurch vegan said she found non-vegans attractive but would not want to be physically close to them. It might rub off on you. I would not want to be intimate with someone whose body is literally made up of the bodies of others who have died for their <laughs> assistance, she said. Christchurch vegan Nicole um, Crike has uh, been married to her vegan husband, Hans, for nine years. They literally believe that we're made up of the dead animal carcasses. Well, we are. It's true. It's true. It does, I mean, you are to extent, but if you're, you're not a carrot if you eat all carrots. You know, if you eat too much garlic, you can smell it through your skin, so maybe they can really smell the, the dead animals through your skin, and they're offended. I don't know. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. We've got archives. An entire year's worth of the show. Front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Go and get them. They're on us. That's freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL like Free Talk Live. That's code FTL to save 10%. LegalZoom.com. Just a quick word of warning to our vegetarian and vegan listeners, however many we might have out there. I think we have far more vegetarian listeners than vegans. But according to um, Johnson, who uh, shot me this de- these details during the break, they are now finding that 
veg, uh, vegetarianism and by extension veganism is a pretty unhealthy lifestyle in that apparently a lot of vegetarians are coming down with Graves' disease. Now, Graves' disease is, according to healthguidance.org, the main cause of hyperthyroidism and is caused by a defect in the immune system. Autoimmune disease may be understood as a process by which the body sees some part of itself as being foreign and reacts to it much in the same way it would with any bacteria or virus. In the case of Graves' disease, the body sees the thyroid gland as the foreign object and produces antibodies that attack the thyroid gland. And so it's, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that somebody who eats eggs on a regular basis would have that problem. All I know is I saw the excellent Penn and Teller's BS episode on or episode on vegetarianism, mm-hmm. and uh, the the vegetarians looked awfully unhealthy. Well, they, um, just, they didn't have any meat on their bones, uh, now, even worse than the, meat. Most of the vegetarians I've met are overweight. And really? Yeah, absolutely. It's not that like they're eating vegetables, my friend. I mean, they can eat cheese. It, it, all, all they want breads. Huh. I mean, there's plenty of things that vegetarians can eat to get fat. Um, and and fat doesn't mean healthy either. I couldn't. I didn't find anything that necessarily. But likely, Penn and Teller went after vegans anyway. There, I haven't actually been linked to anything um, in regards to how it is that vegetarianism encourages Graves' disease. It's mm-hmm. just that there's there, it's being linked now, from from what I understand. Oh. Just wanted to throw that word of caution out there. To me, it seems humans were designed to eat meat. It seems at some and uh, you do have uh, canines. Yes, and I'm going and to eyes in to front of your so. head so that you can uh, judge depth like a predator would. Right. And it smells really tasty right. and tastes really good, too. So if it tastes good, you should eat it. That's my rule. Um, I'm not sure that that's the uh, best rule in the world. There's some things that are good for you and some things that are bad for you that taste good. But, you know. All things in moderation, Mark. Yes. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones to the fun. Let's talk to Tim in Wisconsin. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi. Um, the thing I feel like I would have said about Social Security before, um, if I wouldn't have been uh, busy... Uh, you know, some tomato soup after having after having a salad. Although, I, slow I'm down, slow I, down, I, Tim. I, I don't understand a word you're saying. So, what now? Um, was I going too fast? Yes. Um, I, I was saying the, the thing I wanted to say about Social Security. Um, b- before, uh, if I wouldn't have been so busy, you know, heating up tomato soup after having a after having a salad. But <laughs> I, I, I'm not I'm not a vegan though. I do eat meat. Okay. I, I, anyway, I, I wanted to say about Social Security that. Um, I, I, I'm on disability, and um, I, I re, uh, would like to be off it um, because of the you know, um, the thing of ever since some letter um, was, I guess, a, a couple years what ago. What is your disability? So, I'm curious. Um, it, it, it was um, panic or anxiety attacks that you know, I was having too bad that I got on. On it for. Does it manifest in your language in uh, in your speaking? Because either you're very very nervous, or you're you know you're you've got some sort of uh, actual disability in regards to putting sentences together. Are you? Is that well, th- one of the ways it affects you? I do have a, a bit of trouble, but um, I do have to say you know, uh, I, you know about you know being a, a bit nervous. Uh, it's okay. That's all right. We just, totally understand. Just go ahead. I just have but, to make it so my listeners can can comprehend you. That's all. So we're going to give you one more shot now. What you want to get off Social Security? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and the, the big reason uh, for sure right now is because ever since some letter that I believe had to have gotten lost in delivery, uh, I guess a couple or you know or, or so, somewhere over a couple of years ago, you know about some uh, doctor appointment that. I was supposed to go to to prove my eligibility, you know that that I didn't know nothing uh, about 
and and then after the my disability got stopped and then I found out why and I tried to look for that letter I couldn't find no trace of it and they made they made me have to have a payee all because of that and then so they pulled your disability because um, you d- you missed some appointment or another that may you know that maybe they sent you a letter on maybe they didn't even send you the letter they just said they did um, and now you're on social security as a result of not being able to get your dos- um, disability is that correct well they made me have to have a payee because of that and, and then what's a payee I, I called, yeah I don't know what a payee is I called well it, it, it's where they have someone uh, you know, give me uh, you know a certain amount of money you know per week to live on, and, and like then they pay you know my bills and stuff for me. Gotcha. Anyway, I tr- I called Social Security one time and asked them how I could get to handle my own money again, and they told me I had to get a letter you know from a doctor saying that I'm capable of handling my own money. Well, I went to my doctor, and he said he couldn't just do that without me uh, going to a Marshfield um, clinic to uh, go through some um, There's always some rigmarole. You know, there's always some bureaucratic process that you have to jump through, a bunch of hoops that you have to, they want you to jump through in order to get your hands on uh, on the money that you supposedly, you know, paid into the system. And I, I'm sorry you experienced that hassle. Um, they still won't let me handle it. They, they, even after doing it, 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 even after the doctor scored up all the tests, and told me that he don't see no reason why I shouldn't be able to handle my own money. Hmm. And I gave a letter to them at social at the local social right. security office. Well, know. that's because they don't actually care. See, they're bureaucrats, and they're going to get paid whether or not they let you have access or, to your money or, or handle your own money. And so they don't have any incentive to really care about your situation, and that's the true tragedy. And, and thank you for the call, Tim. We really appreciate it. It's truly tragic that people um, are being prevented from making their own decisions in life because of these officious bureaucrats who... Really, they think they own you. You know, they uh, they have total control over whether you live or die, or whether you get to pay your bills next month, and uh, you have to do as they say. It's or such else. a confusing process, um, and and so demeaning the way that uh, they they treat people who are on disability. And I don't know. There's there's got to be a better way. There is a better way, and and the, that better way is to let people make their own decisions for themselves. Let them keep the money that they earn, spend it, and save it, and give it in the way in the ways that they think are best. And that way, people can voluntarily contribute to the organizations that they support. So you you won't be coerced into giving your money to some heartless bureaucrats. You can give it to the Shriners, or you can give it to the Kiwanis Club, or whoever else it is that's doing good charitable work in your town, helping people with with terminal conditions and, and sicknesses and that sort of thing. And if they aren't doing the things that you want them to with your money, then you don't give them any more. And you take your money somewhere else. And if there's no one, uh, nowhere else that you feel comfortable giving your money to, then find individuals that you want to help out. Or start your own charity. And start collecting money and start doing your own thing. Um, that's how it would work in a more free market situation. You'd be able to keep what you earned and then you would decide how to give it out. And then, of course, inevitably charities that are giving help to people, they really do care about the people that they help. They're typically staffed by volunteers that are doing their job simply out of the kindness of their hearts because they have an extra few hours a week and they want to go and and, and volu- do some volunteer work. I know, Toby, you do uh, some volunteer work with uh, autistic kids, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I think it's good to do volunteer work. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so do enjoy those on us. And those features include the wiki. We've got over 1,375 Art, uh, uh, pages uh, created by listeners like you. It's like the listener editable version of our website. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. Opportunistic lawyers, judges, future ex-spouses, disgruntled ex-employees, and meddling bureaucrats. These people, they want your money, home, and car. What have you done to protect yourself? At KeepYourAssets.net, they are experts in sheltering your wealth. Go to KeepYourAssets.net, take their asset protection crash course today. They'll show you how to keep your assets. This isn't just for rich people, by the way. It's for everyone. Um, you know, Their little program, they can get you in for a couple hundred bucks and protect the things that you have. It's important stuff. 800-259-9231. I said we had a story from Walter Williams. In case you don't know, Walter Williams is a uh, fairly well-known uh, economist and... He's a pretty pro-liberty guy. He's the guy who uh, subs for Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, he actually makes Rush Limbaugh's show tolerable. <laughs> anyway, Walter Williams. Uh, healthcare, government versus private. This from Capitalism Magazine. He says, sometimes the advocates of socialized medicine claim that healthcare is too important to be left to the market. That's why some politicians are calling for us to adopt health care systems such as those in Canada, the United Kingdom, and other European nations. It's called so-called universal health care. Uh, but the suggestion that we'd better uh, that we'd be better served with more government control doesn't even pass a simple smell test. Do we want government employees, the government employees who run the troubled Walter Reed Army Medical Center, to be in charge of our entire health care system? Or would you like the people who deliver our mail to also deliver health care services? How would you like the people who run the motor vehicles department, the government education system, foreign intelligence, and other government agencies to also run our health care system? After all, they're not motivated by the quest for profits, and that might mean they're truly wonderful, selfless, caring people. As for me, I'd choose profit-driven, though it seems like those government teachers are always asking for more money, so I'm not sure if they're not really interested in profit. <laughs> As for me, I'd choose profit-driven people to provide my health care services, people with motives like those who deliver goods to my supermarket, deliver my overnight mail, produce my computer and software programs, assemble my car, and produce a host of other goods and services that I use. There's absolutely no mystery why our greatest complaints are in the area of government-delivered services, and the fewest in market-delivered services. In the market, there are the ruthless forces of profit, loss, and bankruptcy that make producers accountable to us. In the arena of government-delivered services, there's no such accountability. For example, government schools can go for decades delivering low-quality services. And what's the result? The people who manage it earn higher and higher pay. It's nearly impossible to fire the incompetence, and taxpayers who support the service are given higher tax bills. Our health care system is hampered by government intervention, and the solution is not more government intervention, but less. The tax treatment of, and by the way, as an aside on that point, unfortunately, we have a system where the news media tends to parrot whatever it is the government says, and so whenever government people get up and uh, they place blame on the health care industry, they always place the blame on the marketplace. And no one ever questions it in journalism today. So they'll say, well, Americans don't like their health care system today. And it's true. Who could like the health care system mm -hmm. today? It's awful. Uh, but it's awful because government has its hands all in it. Government is heavily involved in the health care system. 
but they always point to it. Well, it's clearly a market failure. We need more government. We need more government uh, solutions. We need more uh, taxpayer dollars. Uh, we need the government to take over health care. And unfortunately, the media has portrayed it in a way that convinces a lot of media that uh, a lot of people in America to think that that's a, we need to get less market share. We need more government involved as well. And the media doesn't like to do research. Um, you know, they want things given to them in sound bites, right. just like just like uh, the Americans, American people do. So what they'll do is they'll go take you know, they'll they'll, uh, you know, like vulture off of the carrion of other uh, media establishments. So once a story gets propagated, it just keeps going. And once they say that it's well, it's the free market's fault, then other people in the media, they hear it and said, oh, well, it must be true. Right, and there's you know one or two voices out there like Walter Williams or Free Talk Live screaming into the wilderness uh, trying to counteract those claims, but it does you little good if you aren't on the major networks. Anyway, he says the tax treatment of health insurance where premiums are deducted from employees' pre-tax income explains why so many of us rely on our employers to select and pay for health insurance. Since there is a third-party payer, we have little incentive to shop around and wisely use health services. There are guaranteed issue laws that require insurance companies to sell health insurance to any person seeking it. So why not wait until you're sick before purchasing insurance? Guaranteed issue laws make about as much sense as if you left your house uninsured until you had a fire, then purchased insurance to cover the damage. Guaranteed issue laws raise insurance premiums for everyone. Then there are government price controls, such as the reimbursement schemes for Medicaid. As a result, an increasing number of doctors are unwilling to treat Medicaid patients. And as I understand it, Ron Paul, the uh, one of the candidates for president, Republican candidates, he refuses to take Medicaid and Medicare in his practice and always has. Did you did you hear about that, Mark? Um, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. In fact, he doesn't even sign on to the congressional um, pension system. Right. He's not even a part of that. So he really he really lives his life by his principles. Principle. Before we buy into single-payer health care systems like Canada's and the United Kingdom, we might want to do a bit of research. The Vancouver, British Columbia-based Fraser Institute annually publishes Waiting Your Turn. Its 2006 edition gives waiting times by treatments for, uh, from a person's referral by a general practitioner to treatment by a specialist. Now, remember, you actually have to wait usually to get into the general practitioner. So they're not even including that in these wait times, okay? That's once you see the GP, then they refer you to a, profe- uh, to a, a specialist and how long it takes you to get in for the specialist. The shortest waiting time was for oncology, which is 4.9 weeks. The longest was for orthopedic surgery. 40.3 weeks, followed by plastic surgery, 35.4 weeks, and neurosurgery, 31.7. As reported in the June 28th National Center for Policy Analysis's Daily Policy Digest, Britain's Department of Health recently acknowledged that one in eight patients waits more than a year for surgery. France's failed healthcare systems, uh, France's failed healthcare systems, resulted in the deaths of 13,000 people, mostly of dehydration during the heat spell of 2003. Hospitals just stopped answering the phones, and ambulance attendants told people to fend for themselves. Dear God. I don't think most Americans would like more socialized medicine in our country. By the way, I have absolutely no problem with people wanting socialism. My problem is when they want to drag me into it. And I agree completely. Uh, Walter Williams at capmag.com. Can you imagine... They couldn't even handle people who are dehydrated. How hard is that? I, it, it couldn't be too difficult. Give them a saline, you know, uh, saline IV and you should be okay. Right, but these are people that uh, it doesn't matter 
if they handle them or not. Right. It really doesn't. And you remember the John Stossel story where they were talking about the water department, um, you know, the city water department. The, the bureaucrats were just like, oh, we can't handle it. Sorry, we just can't do it. Ah. But suddenly it gets turned over to a private company, and those same people that work for that, com- um, for that company, once they were incentivized properly mm-hmm. by the marketplace, suddenly figured out how to pr- um, fix problems. And that's how it would be with hospitals, too. But... Walter Williams points out, he says, he doesn't think most Americans would like more socialized medicine in our country. And he's right about that. They wouldn't like it once they got a taste of it. Right. right. They just think they want it. They want, exactly. they want the warm, fuzzy feeling of having the right to a heart and the right to this health care. Yeah, you have the right, to, the right to a free heart transplant. Probably you're just having the right to be promised one and you're going to die on this waiting list because mm-hmm. you can't ever get in. And, you know, the, there's all kinds of uh, things that get integrated. I've lived in a communist system. That communist system was the prison system. I lived there mm. for nine years. And they have completely free health care. All you have to do is go get up at 6 a.m. in the morning or 5.30 a.m. for sick call, and then you go out there and you sit in the uh, the little waiting room for three, four, five hours on hard benches mm-hmm. and wait for the um, bureaucrats to come see you. And sometimes it was so long that you just had to come back the next day. Really? You just had to sit in this room with, I mean, no entertainment, what, whatever, nothing. And what sort of problems you would me? they go in for? They would, well, working. Well, I don't want to go pick up cigarette butts <laughs> off the compound today, so I don't want to do this. Are you oh, telling me that this wouldn't happen in the real world, too? Yeah. I, same thing. Yeah. 800-259-9231. So Americans won't like it once they get it, but before they get it, they think they want it because it's being sold as free, which we all know it's not. Or at least we know it. Apparently most Americans don't. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control, bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so do enjoy those on us. So we do ask that you voluntarily support the program by going and visiting um uh, visiting our uh, store at amazon.freetalklive.com it's well actually it's amazon store it's it's not ours but we put our uh, website address in there because if you enter through that link amazon.freetalklive.com free talk live gets a percentage of your sale in fact the numbers were up in may we went up from 380 something to over $500 uh in commissions that's just money coming in from you guys shopping and buying everything from laptops to you know toilet paper I mean, they, they literally sell everything, 41 categories of products. Go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and get your shopping done. Support Free Talk Live all at the same time. I've, so I've been charting, Mark. I've been charting the uh, the amounts coming in on a monthly basis. Uh-huh. We peaked during the Christmas season for obvious reasons, and, and then it dropped back down, and, and it's been slowly gaining since then. And so it's, it's a good thing, and I think that the, you know, the more the show grows, the more people will use Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And, uh, How could they not? Yeah, it's, it's a great way to get, your, uh, get the stuff you need for life and support the show. Anyway, uh, let's go back to New York City. We talked earlier in the show tonight about the new surveillance systems that New York and Chicago and Baltimore are considering putting up throughout the city. Thousands of government surveillance cameras monitored by government bureaucrats watching your every move. Well, now in New York and talking, and this actually ties into the, uh, the, um, the, the abolishment of responsibility, personal responsibility and incentive. You talked about how the people in the government Healthcare system, the universal healthcare system, single payer healthcare system, they don't have incentives 
They don't have profit incentives. They don't respond to market signals or anything like that. Well, now you want to talk about backwards incentives? New York, according to the Associated Press, poor residents will be rewarded for good behavior, like getting $300 for doing well on school tests, $150 for holding a job, and $250 for visiting the doctor. Under an experimental anti-poverty program that city officials detailed on Monday, the rewards have been used in other countries, including Brazil and Mexico, and have drawn widespread praise for changing behavior among the poor. Michael Bloomberg traveled to Mexico this spring to study the healthy lifestyle payments, also known as conditional cash transfers, meaning that if you do what the government wants you to do, you get a little reward. Mm. You got a good little citizen. That's so funny. As though though real life doesn't reward people enough for doing the right thing. Right. Um, we've got to give them. We've got everybody's got to pay in order to get the dumb people all rounded up and do the right stuff. Look, you know, there's an incentive program out there already to get uh, people to do the right thing. It's called real effing life. Right. We we don't need. We you don't need um to give people extra money. I'm sorry. That's just silly that you have to get take my money away from me and give it to somebody who's just too dumb for words to be able to figure it all out. Yep. If someone's unwilling to go to get out and get a job unless they get this $150 handout from the government, chances are they're not going to be a very good worker. Anyways. Yeah, they're going to be a crappy, <laughs> crappy uh, worker. And if they right. if they don't want to be healthy enough, if you know they're they're happy in their own illnesses enough to just hang around and not go see the doctor, well, fine. It's not. I mean, at this point, we're already making the doctors free for these people. What else do we have to do? The ambulance service is free. Yeah. They can pick up the phone. They can call an ambulance that will come and drive them like a taxi to the doctor at the emergency room, who will then treat them for free because mm-hmm. they will be indigent. I mean, what else do you have to do? Apparently, Apparently $200 give them a check. <laughs> I've been to the emergency room. I don't want anybody getting a check to go sit in there. Thank you. Well, you know, and that's exactly it. These these checks are going to be going to a certain type of people. Just because you're a poor person doesn't mean you can't get out of that situation. Oh, absolutely not. I'm not saying I'm not saying that poor people are stupid. I'm saying that only stupid people are going to be working this system. You know, I mean, this system is just right. It, 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 this hundred and fifty dollars is going to go to buy beer and cigarettes. Or maybe other uh, types of drugs. That's where this money's going to go. There's a reason why poor people are poor. It's not because of their circumstances. Not all poor people. There are plenty. What? Not all poor people are poor because of um, you know, be- because of bad habits. I understand that. Thank you for that. Yes, there are people that are there because of their circumstances, but they can change that, mm-hmm. and they can go out and they can work. And and if they're unless they're crippled or whatever, then that's a different situation. Then you've got somebody who's physically incapable of doing certain things. I'm talking about the poor people that sit around and they perfectly uh, able-bodied. Right. They're all over. You know, they're they're in every city, um, hanging out on park park benches, doing nothing. Um, you know. Because because they're already on government welfare. They're already being incentivized by the government to be losers. They're being incent- they have an incentive to be poor, pathetic losers because it's just more profitable for them. I mean, we've seen this story after story about welfare recipients who can't get off welfare because if they get off welfare, they'll get a pay cut. If they actually go and get a job, they'll be making less than they're making on welfare, that sort of thing. So, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons for them to stay poor. Now they're just going to be having, they're going to have extra reasons. In New York, the two-year pilot program with about 14,000 participants will use private funds. Bloomberg has raised because he didn't want to spend government money on something that's highly experimental. More than $43 million has been raised toward the $53 million goal. And I guess that's a good thing that it's not government money yet. 
But how long is it going to be before they say, look, it's a smashing success. Right. People are taking checks from us. That must mean it's a success. Yeah, what, 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 de- what deems it successful? If I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, the theory behind cash rewards is that poor people are trapped in a cycle of repeated setbacks that keep them from climbing out of poverty. A person who doesn't keep up with his vaccinations and doctor's visits may get sick more often and struggle to stay employed. Now, I understand that uh, when you are poor, it's certainly difficult to climb out from that situation. But it's not because you aren't going to the doctor, necessarily. I mean, that could be a factor. But it's because of taxes. It's because of government regulation. That keeps poor people poor because when, for instance, if you are, if you're poor, if you're a poor person and you're losing 10% of your taxes to the government, let's be very, very conservative here, uh, because we could make the argument that most, the average American is paying 50 to 60% of their income through various different taxes. But let's just say you're losing 10%. Let's say you're making fifteen thousand dollars. You're talking about um, uh, income tax. Just let's whatever. Okay. You're losing 10% in taxes. That's a significant portion of the money that you earn. That's that's fifteen hundred dollars of your fifteen thousand dollars a year. That's money that you could use uh, to to you know get some of your debts paid down. That's money that you could use to help your life get better. But no, it goes into the hands of government bureaucrats to spend how they want to spend it. If poor people were able to keep the money they earned, like everyone else, I could if, make a, a better argument beyond ten percent um, that poor people pay in taxes. Oh, they definitely pay more than that. There's yeah, no doubt about pay it. More, more I'm just that. saying that ten percent hurts a poor person more than it hurts somebody with. $10 million. Right. Um, yes, a million dollars is hard to lose if you've got 10 of them, but you've still got yeah. nine more million that you're pretty comfy. Yeah, you'll be all right. At 15 grand a year, you're not very comfy at all. Right. And that, that $1,500 could be credit card that is holding them back. Just the one credit right. card payment that's keeping them down, the interest rates on I don't something think that like the, that. that. The people that are getting this program even have credit cards. All right. <laughs> <A> person, <laughs> I, know, I know what you and I have been through and, you know, or things like that. You know, they, 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 it's that credit card payment that's holding us back, but that's not what really well, poor is. <laughs> it's just been so many times for me. I'm like, if the government just didn't take this out this year, I'd be yep. completely credit card free. But no. Yeah. Critics have raised questions about mm-hmm. cash reward programs, saying they promote the misguided idea that poor people could be successful if they just made better choices. Well, why is that misguided? That seems like a, an accurate concept. If they made better choices, like putting down the cigarettes and the alcohol, they'd have more money in their pocket and therefore be able to raise their standard of living. But, uh, but let's see. The co-founder of Inclusion, a research and policy group in Washington, says it just reinforces the impression that if everybody would just work hard enough and change their personal behaviors, we could solve poverty in this country. And that's not reflected in the facts. So it's like you've got these uh, bad government people arguing against the, uh, the, worst, uh, the worst socialists in this particular case, because um, it is true. That if you do change your personal behaviors and you do uh, work and save your money, then you can step out of poverty. How is that not true? Absent exigent circumstances, uh, outside influences and factors like tragic uh, situations with your health, that sort of thing. How could that not be the case? Absent some, something tragic happening with your health that prevents you from, from generating income, how is it that um, saving your money and not... Engaging in bad habits is not going to get you out of uh, a bad situation. I don't know. Um, you know, basically that's what you know. Th- that's what the problem is with uh, truly legitimately poor people is they have some kind of disability, whether it be a physical or mental, and uh, have a difficult time working, finding a job, that kind of thing. Among the possible rewards are $25 for attending parent-teacher conferences, $25 per month for a child who maintains a 95% school attendance record, $400 for graduating high school, $100 for each family member who sees the dentist every six months, and $150 a month for adults who work full-time. 
you know, uh, what I would recommend on top of that is um, I say we give $1,000 out to uh, the women that are on this program to get tubal ligations. It's an interesting idea. Why don't we just make these people tax-free? Experiment with that. See how if we just take away all taxes for them, they pay no taxes at all. Experiment with that. See how that works. And then give that to us when it works. That's an even better idea. If they keep this privately funded, then that's good. But it sounds like that's not where they want to go with it. It sounds like they want to prove that it's effective so then the government money can start rolling in. 800-259-9231. Just another awful idea from your local government bureaucrats. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. On the way here, if we get a chance, Mark, you've got ten tips to help people with the weather, right? To help them predict the weather. Is that right? That's what it says. Kind of an interesting, it's actually, eleven tips. Helpful little article. We'll uh, we'll get to that story here hopefully. And uh, but first, from Steve Olson dot com, Steve Olson dot com, a uh, man who was inspired, I think, by listening to Free Talk Live here actually, because he sent me uh, this via email to alert me to the fact that he had posted it online. And the question he asks is, when did America become a nation of frightened wimps? He starts with the famous quote from Benjamin Franklin, and that is that it's the first responsibility of every citizen to question authority. Too bad they don't teach that in government schools. Well, they teach you that uh, Einstein said it, too. Is that right? Yes. I don't, I, they didn't teach me that. Anyway, when did America become a nation of frightened wimps? When did we cross the line from courage to cowardice? Was it sometime in the 1990s, after the Oklahoma City bombing, after the Columbine shootings, after 9-11? When did we decide to allow the police to smash into private homes without knocking and identifying themselves? That was recently. I can answer that question. That was this year. Uh, the Supreme Court came up with a decision that said that the police no longer really have to identify themselves when they're uh, smashing into your home. They they can maybe just yell it out real quick before they bust down your door. They, there's no more waiting period. They mm-hmm. used to have to wait for you to come to the door, give you a chance to answer it. They don't have to do that anymore. He says, recently in the suburb I live in, a special police force dressed in black Nazi-style uniforms busted into a suburban home without warning and dragged a school teacher out of her home with an automatic weapon at the back of her head. They forced her to the ground, handcuffed her, and hauled her away while neighbors watched. They did it without a warrant and without consequence. Why? Well, it was just a misunderstanding. And that's precisely why we need checks in place to avoid misunderstandings and abuses. The police chief said at the time, quote, When we realized it was a mistake, we all had a good laugh. Oh, God. How do you, how do you suppose the school teacher felt about it all? I guess he doesn't care. He thought it was funny. If a group of unidentified men dragging his wife away at gun if a group of unidentified men was dragging his wife away at gunpoint, I wonder if he would still think that was funny. When did we decide it was okay to strip search an old lady at an airport because the pin in her hip set off a metal detector? When did we decide it was too risky to take a cup of coffee on an airplane? When did we decide it was reasonable to make a nursing mother drink her own breast milk to prove she's not a terrorist? When we impose such extreme levels of security, haven't the terrorists already won? Haven't we willingly given our freedom to the government and the terrorists in the name of security? 
When did we decide it was okay for policemen in combat booths with German shepherds to patrol high school hallways? Even worse than that, not only are they patrolling, but they're also raiding high schools. It was a story out of South Carolina a couple of years ago about a police raid that was done in the halls of a, a South Carolina high school, and kids had guns pointed at their heads as their bags were rummaged through by police. By the way, police didn't find any drugs in that raid. Which, of course, was the point. They thought they had cornered some high school drug dealers, and they had them now. Instead, all they did was scare a bunch of kids and make them wonder why they ever trusted the police. When did we decide to allow routine police roadblocks? Why weren't we outraged? When did we decide it was too dangerous for our children to ride their bikes to school? When did we decide that it was okay for the government to seize property without a trial, without due process, at the whim of a government agency? Well, that would be the Kilo versus uh, New London court decision. When did we decide that our government had a right to the fluids inside our own bodies, or a right to the very breath in our lungs? When did we decide that it was the accused's responsibility to prove they hadn't been breaking the law? When did we decide that drug testing high school students was reasonable? Hell, why is it reasonable to drug test anyone ever? Why would anybody, for any reason, have the right to invade your body without your permission? That's a great question. Because it's okay if you've given them permission. If you, for instance, sign an employment agreement where you are telling the employer, yes, I will allow you to drug test me periodically. Well, then you've given your consent. But when it's the government that's getting involved in drug testing and mandatory high school drug testing and that sort of thing, it's pretty out of control. When did we decide to give 10-year prison sentences to adolescents for having sex with each other? Was it before or after we decided to put them in jail for smoking cigarettes and drinking beer? If my memory serves me correctly, when I was a teenager, almost everyone that I knew either was doing it or wanted to do it. Why did we make what is biological and natural criminal? When did we decide it's too risky for 20-year-olds to drink, but reasonable for them to kill and die overseas? Does that make sense to anyone? 800-259-9231 if you want to answer any of this gentleman's really questions. Great article. That's 1-800-259-9231. He says, we've justified every one of these injustices by claiming that it was necessary to preserve health and safety. Well, I say BS. What is the point in being a safe slave? I think we crossed the line somewhere between 1984 and 1988, around the time when we outlawed lawn darts, and every minivan in America had a baby on board sign. <laughs> While lawn darts and baby-on-board signs may seem trivial, they were warning signs of a mass shift in American values. A shift away from freedom and liberty as predominant values to health and safety as predominant values. Except the interesting thing is, as an aside, that if you have freedom and liberty, you will have health and safety. That's inevitable because that's what people want, and that's right. what the market will provide. Uh, if you're looking to government to provide you with health and safety, then you're just going to end up being a slave, as he points out. There will be no end to the loss of freedom if we believe being in health and safety. Uh, be, if we believe being healthy and safe trumps all else, I believe there was a day when most Americans accepted that life was risky. They accepted that bad things can happen to good people, and they accepted that risk was an inherent part to being free. They didn't need a new law or government program every time something bad happened. It's so sad to watch our freedom slowly disappear in front of our eyes with so p uh, few people taking action. He says, but I have hope. I sense a shift. Something is blowing in the wind. I can smell it and I can feel it. I can see it in young people. A move away from authoritarianism. 
In fact, we talked earlier uh, tonight about a very disturbing study done on Americans by ABC News that found that 71% of Americans like the idea of increased government surveillance in public spaces. But it was interesting when we uh, when they num- when they broke the numbers down by demographics and and that sort of thing that there was about 10 20% about 19 20% more it was something like 80% of old people 65 and up favored more cameras while only around 60% of young people people under the age of 35 uh supported more cameras just found that kind of interesting and maybe that's what he's sort of feeling here that you know the young people in America are moving away from authoritarianism and then he mentions free talk live he says like the people that run free talk live one of the most popular podcasts in the world the po- free talk live crew makes no apologies and pulls no punches in their love for freedom they tell it like it is finally finishes up with a, another quote from Benjamin Franklin he who gives up freedom for safety deserves neither and, of course, that's absolutely ad- uh, accurate as well. But, unfortunately, that's the direction we're going in this country. Doesn't that bother you? Have you no- haven't you noticed this trend? Or have you been completely oblivious to it? Has all this increase in government uh, control and government power and government influence and invasiveness in our lives, has that just fallen by the wayside in your mind? And is it even keeping us free? When we tell kids that they're not allowed to run at recess or play tag because they might fall down and scrape their knee, is that really keeping people safe? I mean, they're more likely to die on the way to school um, in a car accident accident than they are to fall down and scrape their knee and get killed at school if they're running too fast. On the school bus with no seatbelts? Right. (laughs) All all these crazy safety features on everything. I mean, everything has to go through all these tests and um, get government approval to do it when really it's not that unsafe in the first place right does does all that safety those safety mandates that government puts on everything does it really reduce that much risk i mean seriously as you point out driving around in a vehicle is an incredibly risky behavior and it's entirely legal it's also entirely necessary you have to do it in order to get around in life for the most part now some people can ride their bikes and that sort of thing but the bigger of an area that you live in uh the the more likely it is you're going to have to ride in a car at some point and at any point you're in a car, your life's on the line. You know, should we all really be walking around in bubbles? Should Four we be pe- bubble boys? Four people every year die on uh, from toilets. I don't know how, but they do. I mean, my goodness, you, you do, preserve you do something about that. You preserve your life only to lose it. You know, to have it compromised. Was there a particular point that you thought that the tide shifted towards? oppression in this country. You want to share that with us? 800-259-9231 or do you still think you're free? This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com, the place to go. Get signed up for the updates, and we'll keep you clued in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. Uh, in fact, I sent out an update this week about uh, three brand-new promos that we put on our website for people to listen to. It's They're good. Just kind of fun stuff. The reason I make the promos is for our radio station affiliates to run during the daytime to promote the show. Uh, but I like to throw it out there to the listeners just so they can see what, uh, what we've got out there. Anyway, uh, go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. It's updates.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. We just read a uh, a blog post from one of our listeners who was asking a bunch of really uh, 
important questions about when America became a nation of mama's boys, basically. And uh, But I think one of the ways to to sort of rephrase all of his questions together is when did you stop caring about freedom and liberty? When did Americans stop caring about those? And think that we could somehow tra- um, trade them for safety. Right. Because that was really the, the main crux of his issue and all these mandatory government regulations that have been placed on us in the name of safety and in the name of health. And, in the na- and of course, it, it all erodes the, the, the liberty quotient that we have in this country. Was there a certain point at which that you just forgot about the whole liberty and freedom thing or just stopped caring? Or did you ever care in the first place? 800-259-9231. And let's actually go to a uh, story out of the Santa, Santa Cruz Sentinel from Freedom, California, of all places. They have a Freedom, California. Did not know that. A Freedom dog owner bit and coughed up more than $100 when her mail carrier allegedly blackmailed her. Mm-hmm. According to the U.S. Postal Service, letter carrier, uh, letter carrier Carolyn Mayula, who's 49, told the Freedom Woman earlier this summer that she'd been bitten by her dog. If the resident didn't want her dog reported, the letter carrier told the resident to hand over $700. According to Dan Mihalko, spokesbureaucrat for the U.S. Postal Service Office of the Inspector General. Malua, the letter carrier for the past three years, was arrested on her free, uh, at her Freedom home last week on suspicion of extortion. She was also put on suspension without Arrested pay. for suspicion of extortion? Apparently so, yes. Strange. Uh, she was also put on suspension without pay by the Postal Service. Mikalo said, you just can't do stuff like that, adding the extortion allegation is unusual for the Postal Service. Yeah, typically the postal carriers just steal your mail. They don't usually go so far as to blackmail. Not most of them. Most of them do a fine job. I didn't say most of them do. I said typically they steal your mail. If there's a crime being committed by a Postal Service employee. If there is a crime being committed by a Postal employee, it's likely the uh, pilfering of mail. The scheme started in late spring, Mihalko uh, said, when the service, the, the bureaucrat apparently told the dog's owner that she'd been bitten by the pet, something that didn't actually turn out to be true, uh, which is a lie from the carrier. Since mail delivery is temporarily stopped and then altered if a letter carrier is attacked by a customer's animal, Mayula promised to not report the phony attack if the dog's owner paid up. The owner then gave the letter carrier about $100. However, she wasn't able to come up with the rest of the money, and then the bureaucrat withheld her mail. The oh, my God. Now, that's where the problem came in. By uh, by her taking that action? Yeah, t- uh, withholding the mail. Right, because then the customer reported the problem to the post office, and uh, sheriff's detectives uh, arrested the bureaucrat. It's un- apparently unlikely that she will face federal charges for not delivering the customer's mail, officially an obstruction of correspondence, because the extortion charge will be prosecuted locally. And the arrested bureaucrat was unavailable for comment. So what's your uh, issue? on? The- by the way, uh, Freedom, uh, California, is halfway between Santa Cruz and, and Casterville. The artichoke capital of the world. Good to know. Good to know. Um, well, the issue, of course, is the Postal Service. We're talking about freedom issues ah. and, and liberty and what happened. When when did Americans forget about liberty and freedom? And, well, the Postal Service has sort of always been in our lives. It's one of those government programs that we've all taken for granted. We all believe it needs to be there. We all think that it's really important that the Postal Service is there. I mean, in fact, if you were to ask people government about government programs that they wanted to, to have stick around – the Postal Service might come up. I mean, we all know they're slow and inefficient, and it's awful whenever you go to a Postal Service location to try to buy stamps or ship a package or something like that. Most people understand that the Postal Service 
generally kind of sucks, but they still feel like it's necessary. They still feel like, well, it costs you eight bucks to ship a package with UPS, whereas you can send it for four bucks with the postal service. So why would I want to go to UPS? I mean, beyond the fact that you get tracking and you get insurance and all the other wonderful features that you get with FedEx and DHL and all those guys. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons to choose their services, but there's that price point that's really persuasive to Americans. Now, um, you know, the, the postal service probably not the biggest, most egregious uh, abuser as far as the government goes, but yeah, the the post office they kind of cook the books as far as uh, how it is that they manage to uh, send these packages. Like most post office land um, is, you know, it's owned by the government, mm-hmm. but it's not. They don't have to pay rent in the same way that. Um, UPS or FedEx or um, ha- has to pay rent on their locations. That's correct. They don't have um, that particular overhead, and that's a huge overhead. So the the post office is able to run the black by not including all of their overhead in their books. They don't have their pension, the the post office's uh, pension plan. That's not. In, I believe that is taxpayer supported. Yeah, that's taxpayer supported. Supported. It's not part of the post office's books. And as they it have were. more bureaucrats than the military does. Yes, there's there's a whole bunch of them. And the question I would like to ask you is, now, why – this is communism. This is, uh, you know, making everything equal. Why should I pay for um, 39 cents or whatever it is to send a uh, first-class letter to send it from here to Toby's house, uh, 39 cents? a few miles away. A few blocks away. It's, yeah. It costs the same amount is it, as if I sent it from here to Anchorage. Look. It That's costs silly. more money to get a letter from here to Anchorage. If you right. want to write somebody in Anchorage, you should pay more to send something there. And really, I'm sorry. And if it's just sending it across town, it doesn't cost as much. You right. shouldn't have to pay 39 cents. Who is it that – I mean, who really sends letters anymore anyways a besides lot of the Luddites? Do. I mean, besides Luddites in America. I, I probably mail two or three letters a week. Okay. But really, for the most part, as far as the mail that I receive from the post office, junk. most of it's junk. Oh, oh. yeah. Most of it the reason, is bulk rate. That's because you have a, a a mailbox, and they send it to resident. If you don't have a mailbox and you just have a post office box, not a post office box, but a uh, you know you get one of those uh, mailbox stores, you don't get you do not get junk mail there unless you've ended up on a list somehow. Right. Well, they'll filter it out for you. I mean, for, in some some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the question is. What do we really need the post office for anyway? These right. Days? It's real. It really is just an advertising delivery system. Um, you know, it, I mean, I get some bills, was, right? but then again, the power company sends by a meter reader every single month to read my meter. Why can't they just tap out a bill at that point and print it out and put it on my front porch? They could. Or, I, mean, th- th- I mean, there's all kinds of other ways that the, the market could organize itself in order to provide these bills that we need to pay and, to us. And, absolutely true. And the uh, government putting laws in place that says that somebody can't use the mailbox at your house... Because it's federal property. Federal property. Hold on. No, it's not. I, I went it. to Home Depot and I bought that thing myself. I put the numbers on it. I stuck it in the ground. When the hell did it become federal property? And as soon as you did all that. Who do, who do, who do these people that may pass these laws think they are? Get your laws out of my mailbox. I paid for that thing. And if I want somebody to stick some um, something in it, they should be allowed now, to. Now, this is a bit of a thought experiment, I'm sure, for a lot of our listeners. How it is that you think that the marketplace could take over the Postal Service's role? Because inevitably, people will want to send uh, letters to one another, and there will be things that need to be sent through the mail. What would the marketplace do in order to help facilitate that and keep costs low? Because right now, there's one major reason why UPS and FedEx aren't in that game. We'll tell you, coming up. It's Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us online, of course, at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away that we do ask you voluntarily support the show by heading over and... Uh, wait, actually, no. Don't voluntarily support the show. I'll tell you about the AMP program later. Uh, but what we do ask is that you uh, visit the site and enjoy it because it's all for free, including live streams, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version as well. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. Org. We're talking about the Postal Service. Uh, what started all of this was a story out of Santa Cruz about a, or the Freedom California actually, about a Postal Service bureaucrat who extorted $100 from one of the people on her route. Because I guess she noticed a dog in the yard. She, uh, she told the person in the house that she was bit by the dog and she wanted $700 or else she was going to report it. The person paid $100 and uh, then she reported the bureaucrat and she's been arrested since now the, then. Now the bureaucrat uh, had a bite wound, right? No. So she wasn't bit? No, she just told the woman that. Your dog bit me. Wow. Pay up, pay up or else. Anyway, um, that brought us to a conversation about the Postal Service in general and whether or not it's even necessary. And some people would say, well, how else are we going to get stuff shipped across the country for, for such low, low prices? And the fact is, there's one major reason why UPS, FedEx, DHL, and everybody else in the private package delivery business isn't involved in sending first-class mail. And that reason is, very simply, that the government has a monopoly. Yeah, they've pa- passed a law that says that uh, they absolutely, you absolutely can't compete against the post office um, for first-class mail, less than a buck. Right. If you take, if I, Mark, go, go to you and say, okay, I'm heading over to Toby's house. Uh, do you want me to uh, take a letter over there for you? And you give me less than a dollar in order to do that. Technically, I am delivering a package for less than the, a uh, first-class mail for less than a dollar, and I could be prosecuted for that. Now, no one's really going to know about that. Unlikely. But if UPS and FedEx all of a sudden open up a new branch of their uh, their business that allows you to send envelopes, just regular letter size mm-hmm. envelopes, for less than a dollar, they're violating federal law, and they can be prosecuted for it. Right. Um, I mean, you know, I'm fine. Let's cut the post office loose completely. They've already turned it in sort of a quasi-government organization, and they, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of semi-private in some ways. Yeah. But we, the pa- taxpayers, pay their, uh, um, pay their pensions. pensions. Well, we shouldn't be doing that. Look... All the other companies out there in the world manage to uh, pay the pensions of their, um, you know, employees and former employees. Why can't the post office? Right. Now, my question earlier was, well, what are some of the ways you might think that the marketplace could handle first-class mail delivery in the absence of the post office? Because the other reason why it's so difficult for UPS and FedEx, beyond the fact that they're prohibited from delivering mail under a dollar, why is it? You, you might ask yourself, well, why aren't they doing it for a buck? You know, a dollar one. Why aren't they offering the same service for that amount of money? Well, you know, it's who's just gonna a send, letter. Who's going to send a first-class um, letter to 
anywhere for a dollar one when you can set it for thirty nine cents. I don't know if you could get it tracked. Mm, if it was something important, you might want to you might want to do that. You could argue there might be a slight market segment there for them. But the fact the fact that the government has that monopoly and that they have that uh, that taxpayer subsidized lower price, it just makes it not worth their while to get into. Now, but, when I tell people this, they don't believe me. They cannot about the monopoly about the monopoly. I tell people about it, and they're like, "No, no way. That's not that's the government not passes true. laws to protect themselves when it comes to gambling." I mean, who runs a who runs a lottery? Can you can you open up a lottery today? Hell no, no they'll throw can't. you in jail. The government passes all kinds of laws to make it so that they run monopolies. But I don't think the average not above per- that the average person does it and do- just doesn't know it. They the average think- person, uh, you know, the post office is in the Constitution. Um, they people haven't lived without a post office here in the United States for a long, long time. Right. It's just something well, that they, they don't Spooner, confront. It, actually, if you read the history of the post office, it is one of the most despicable, violent, dangerous government bureaucracies out there. They do not like competition, and Lysander Spooner, back in the 1800s, attempted to set up his own private mail service, and it was going fairly well for a little while until the Postal Service uh, decided to get in his way and, down. and literally cracked down on him. And so it was attempted, and it was working. So there are ways this can be done, and in the absence of the Postal Service, you can better believe the marketplace is going to find ways to get mail from point A to point B. Now, I'm just off the top of my head, I've thought up a few different ways this could happen. I'd love to hear your input at 800-259-9231. Obviously, there's the pay-as-you-go system where you pay whatever postage is necessary to get the package or get the get your envelope to where it needs to go. It's mm-hmm. going to cost you more if it's going from New Hampshire to California versus New Hampshire to Massachusetts, and that's the way it should be. Of course, that's going to deter people. Um, if the high, if the rates are higher, you could you could you can consider the current rates today subsidized to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, if the rates are indeed higher, that may actually discourage junk mailers, so you may actually get less junk mail. In fact, you might actually be able to sign up with a delivery company that will guarantee you no junk mail. Mm-hmm. Like we'll only deliver you the stuff you want to get. You may have to pay a little bit more for a service like that. But, hey, what's wrong with that? Also, what about uh, advertiser-supported mail? What if you could mail a letter for free as long as Verizon gets to slap an advertisement on it? it Or put it in an envelope um, with a couple of uh, inserts or something like that. Sure. Now, this actually is currently happening. I mean, if you look at your Discover bill or um, mini bills, it includes little ads for all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. Those people are essentially subsidizing the mailer. That's true. So, I mean, no, this is currently happening. It's the credit card company that's selling those ads. Absolutely, that, but right. they're paying. Um, they're they're paying their own bill bill Great that point. way. So they're they're essentially the mail sponsors. Right. But what if the mail company actually took up that uh, sure, sort of situation? Absolutely could happen. It absolutely could. So we're just trying to think of ways that we could get rid of this intrusive, huge government bureaucracy. The postal service, bigger than the military, bigger than all of the branches of the military combined. It's just incredibly large, and it's incredibly wasteful. Right. Right. One of the hu- reasons they're so slow and bumbly is because of their huge, gigantic size. Before the sure. FedEx and uh, DHL and the other companies out there started doing overnight shipping, the post office thought it was impossible, and still they won't guarantee it. I, I went there. Nope. I had no idea that they didn't guarantee it. I said, I need this there. The next day they go, oh, no, we, we can't guarantee that. I'm like, no, well, but they what? will <laughs> hire FedEx. Um, they actually ship overnight packages. You can order an overnight package service through the postal service, but they just subcontract with FedEx to get that job done. <laughs> But you still don't get the guarantee. No, if it's FedEx sent, then you will get the guarantee. Well, apparently, whatever you dealt with with the you got the priority bureaucrat- mail or something oh. like that. I, I was trying to send it. At you the got post bad office. service and no guarantee. <laughs> right. See, this is the thing when it comes to the post office. What difference does it make how they service you? Yeah. 
I mean, these people are essentially, uh, they are essentially government employees that are protected in the same manners. You've yep. got to take their little government tests to get in, and you essentially have to kill someone in order to get kicked out. Let's go to the phones. To the fun, you can take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Jason calling from Freedom, California, listening on mm-hmm. KSCO. Hello, Jason. Well, hi there. Yeah, what a coincidence. <laughs> Talking from Freedom. Hello? Can you guys hear me? Well, it wasn't yep. a coincidence, Jason. I specifically selected that story knowing that people could hear it. But go ahead, sir. Okay. Well, you know, um, you guys were talking uh, about uh, giving up your freedoms uh, and uh, in exchange in exchange for uh, um, you know, security, like, like uh, protection or uh, right. Uh, was it give up, give, up, give up your liberty for uh, for safety uh, and security and all that jazz? Exactly. Exactly. And you and you asked, uh, you know, when did that all start? Well, I think for Americans, I think this all started with Social Security when mm. uh, you know we decided that okay. You know we're gonna give up. Uh, we're gonna we're going to give up. Uh, give you money, and uh, get, and uh, get get these entitlements. But then we're dependent on the government. And um, and what what really happened in in the 1940s, which most people don't understand, is that uh, the Social Security number really is uh, voluntary for American citizens. It still well. is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it always has been. And paying Social Security is voluntary for American citizens. And but but most Americans are ignorant of this. And what really what really is uh, the major uh, um, consequence of this is anybody who has a Social Security number, then when they use their Social Security number, um, they're in the jurisdiction of the IRS. They it, like like if you if you if you never got a Social Security number. You would, you can never. Uh, the IRS could never create an account on you. You could never fill out a, uh, a 1040 or a W4 to have taxes. With- yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I think that you're you're dead on accurate as far as the time frame is concerned. When America really experienced a huge shift towards uh, from away from self-sufficiency and towards more government control of their lives, and that was the so-called New Deal. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Thanks for the call. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control even in these remaining moments. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the website we give away that we do do ask you voluntarily support us by joining the AMP program. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in three bucks a month to the program and you help us get on more radio stations across the country and thereby spread the message of freedom and liberty. And remember, all the features on our website are free, so this is above and beyond all that. So compare our website and all the things we give away to the websites of, say, some of the other talk shows out there that want to charge you five, six, seven bucks a month for features you can't even access. You don't even know how good they are until you pay up. Ours is free and ours is better. Freetalklive.com. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on the Amplifier program. Now, Mark, I did mention that we had ten tips, weather-related tips, about how to uh, predict the weather, right? Because you certainly don't want to count on the government to predict the weather for you. Yes, and you've been wrong every time. It's 11 tips. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so used to 10 lists. Yes. Well, these are kind of fun, and I, I didn't know them all, and I think that likely if you've been on the planet for, for uh, quite a few years, you know them, but if you haven't, you've never heard these things, and so I, I just think it's, it's good stuff. Check the uh, grass for dew at sunrise. If the grass is dry, this indicates clouds or strong breezes, which can mean rain. 
if there's dew, it probably won't won't rain that day. Really? However, if it rained during the night, this method not reliable. Gotcha. Um, remember the rhyme. This is number two. Uh, remember the rhyme: Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors, sailors take, take warning. warning. Yes. Have no idea what that meant, but I did know the the rhyme. Look for any sign of red in the sky, not a red sun, and it will be um, a bold orange or the red the majority of the time. But that so depends. sunset doesn't count. That's um, yeah, those are the times to look. Yeah, if you see a red sky during sunset when you're looking um, to the west, there's a high pressure system that will dry air that is uh, stirring dust particles in the air, causing the sky to look red. Since prevailing ah. front movements and jet streams, weather uh, usually moves from west to east. See um, the tips. Dry air is uh, heading towards you. So what's that mean? Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. What's that mean though? Like what's delight what's the issue? is good dry weather. air. Yes, it's dry air. That's a bad th- or good thing. Um, that just I don't know. I'm Am sorry, I a weatherman? Here's I don't know. The, here's I'm the rhyme. To understand. Um, delight is good weather. Okay. Warning, bad weather. Could okay. be anything. Then I thought there was something specific, like you take warning because it's going to be rainy or something like that. It's gonna, it's pro- well. What other weather? What other bad weather is there besides rain? For a sailor, I don't know. I don't. I guess. I guess. Like high winds generally okay. come with rain, right? Okay, fine. I mean, you know, high winds. winds I suppose. Okay, winds. Yeah. That's it. I guess. Got it. All right. Number three. Look for a uh, rainbow in the west. This is the result of the uh, rising sun's morning rays from the east striking moisture in the west. Most major storm fronts travel from west to east, and the rainbow in the west means moisture, which can mean rain is on its way. Rain's coming. Gotcha. Yes. On the other hand, the rainbow in the east around the sunset means the rain is on its way out, and you can um, look forward to sunny days. Remember, rainbow in the morning, need for a warning. Gotcha. There's rhymes to go with all these. Yeah, that's helpful. Mnemonic. Yes. Uh, Rainbow in the morning, need for a warning. Okay. Detect which direction the wind is blowing. If unable to immediately detect the wind's direction, throw a piece of grass in the air and watch it descend. Easterly winds can indicate an approaching storm front. Westerly winds, the opposite. Strong winds indicate Hmm. high pressure differences. Winds coming from the west versus winds coming from the east. Correct. Got it. Um, Let's excuse me. Uh, Strong winds indicate high pressure differences. Now, this all presumes you know which way is west and east. It, it, well, I mean, g- generally you know where you are. Hopefully you do, do know those things. Sun comes up, sun goes down. Right. right. <laughs> That'll help. <laughs> uh, you, you have to be up at uh, sunrise to know most of these things anyway, <laughs> which can be a sign of uh, advancing s- uh, storm frontage. So strong winds indicate high-pressure differences, which can be a sign of advancing storm fronts. Uh, deciduous trees show the uh, undersides of their leaves during the unusual winds, supposedly because they grow in a way that keeps I don't know them- what a deciduous tree is. Me either. Okay. For those of you that do, this will be a helpful tip. <laughs> well, that's part that's part of number four. Um, detect which direction the wind is blowing. Oh, it helps you detect the wind. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Take a deep breath. Close your eyes and smell the air. Plants release their waste in a low-pressure atmosphere, gener- um, generating a smell like compost and indicating upcoming rain. This is the smell before that rain. rain smell, yeah. Yes, yeah. which Who I like. know that one? It's right? pleasant, right? Everyone knows that one. Swamps release methane. Isn't it ozone? Isn't it like an ozone smell or something like that? I think that's after a uh, lightning strike. Oh, huh, okay. I think that what you're smelling before rain is the uh, sort of composty smell, which I've always thought was good. Um, if there are any meteorologists out there listening and you want to correct us idiots, feel free at 800 259 tips, tips for normal people to okay. tell weather. Right. Um, swamps release methane just before a storm because of the low pressure, which leads to unpleasant smells. A proverb says, flowers smell best just before rain. Scents are stronger in moist air associated with rainy weather. Very good. Six, check, check for humidity. 
Many people can feel humidity, especially in their hair. It curls up and gets frizzy. You can also look at the leaves um, of oak or maple trees. These leaves tend to curl in high humidity, hmm. which tends to precede a heavy rain. Um, so, uh, number seven, watch the clouds. Clouds going in different directions, e.g. one layer going west, another one going north. Bad weather coming. Probably hail. Uh, cumulus nimbus clouds early in the day, developing throughout the day. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, clouds going to the east means bad weather. Coming. No, no. Um, clouds going in different directions. Bad weather. Oh, really? Yes, different levels several in the atmosphere? Right. Gotcha. Cumulonimbus clouds early in the day, developing throughout the day. Greater chances of severe weather. Those are the big, tall... The puffy, nice-looking ones. Yeah, the ones ones that you always think of as clouds. Um, Mammatus clouds, formed by sinking air. Thunderstorm is dissipating, not forming. Cirrus clouds, high in the sky like uh, long streamers. Bad weather within the next 36 hours. Hmm. Alto cumulus clouds, clouds like uh, mackerel scales. Those are little, little... Peppers in the sky. Bad weather within the uh, next 36 hours. Old sailors saying for these types of clouds is mares, tails, and mackerel scales. Tall ships carry short sails. You know, you are going to post this on our BBS, right? I because am, this is a I lot am. of information. Yeah, I am. But, uh, you know, it's kind of fun. I would have to read this a few times to really absorb it. Oh, I have no idea um, all of these things. Right. Uh, observe animals. They're more likely to react to changes in weather pressure than That's we are. That's true. Yeah. Birds are flying high in the sky. They'll probably be fair weather. Seagulls tend to stop flying and take refuge if a storm's coming. Um, they get quiet immediately before it rains. Hmm. Cows typically lie down in a thunderstorm. Ants build their hills very steep, as, as if you're running around looking at ants, right? <laughs> Cats tend to um, clean behind their ears before a rain, if this makes any sense at all. Um, number nine, make a campfire. The smoke How the hell is a cat clean behind its own ears? It has to have another cat around, right? It licks um, its oh, paw okay. and just kind of swipes at it. Make a campfire. The smoke should rise steadily. Smoke that swirls and descends is caused by low pressure. Rain mm. on the way. Ten. Look at the moon during the night. If it's reddish or pale, dust in the air. But if the moon is bright and sharply focused, it's probably because low pressure has cleared out the dust. Low pressure means rain. So if the, uh, the moon is clear, likely means rain. Also, a ring around the moon caused by light shining through uh, clouds associated with warm fronts and moisture can indicate that the rain will probably uh, fall within the next three days. And number 11, create your own prediction method- methods. What the hell does that mean? Methods See, provided. It really the- was a top 10 list. <laughs> it was a top 10 list. <laughs> number 11 stinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess Add that you own. could. I like the watch the, watch the animals one. That's kind of fun. No, that's I, a cool one. I, I used to watch the birds out there. I would always land in the trees right before it would rain, right, right in the tops of the trees. I never understood why. It seemed like a bad place to be for me. And this, the suggestion that I'm going to be up at sunrise. Ever. <laughs> well, Ridiculous. Well, some of these were moon things, and yes, they weren't true. all sunrise. I, and I guess when, they, when they're when they saying create your own methods, they're talking about, you know, some people think they can feel the weather in their bones, right? So if their bones are aching, it's going to snow or it's going to rain or something like that. And, and there are people that swear by those methods. Deciduous so, uh, trees drop their leaves during the winter. Oh, okay. That's good Thanks to know. Thanks to Slim for that one. Yeah. All right. You learn something new every night here on Free Talk Live. You want to know what and, turtles do uh, during bad weather? Yeah, what's that? No, okay, I don't. What do they do? Turtles often search for higher ground um, when a large amount of rain is expected. You will often see them in the road during this period, mm-hmm. one to two, re- uh, one to two days before the rain. So if you see a turtle in the road, live or dead, likely it's going to rain in a couple of days. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to the amplifier line unscreened. Who's this? You're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys, this is Brian in Colorado. Brian, what's on your mind? Well, here we are near the end of the uh, of the time, and I wanted to bring up one thing about uh, uh, property rights. 
Okay. The reason I want to bring it up at the end is so you don't spend the whole you know three hours on it because we've done that a couple times. Thank already goodness. This week. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> it was just something I was listening to about how uh, oh it was a guy who called in and said uh, Ian you've got a silver Mercedes and a red truck and and you don't need both of those and I need the red truck today so I'm just going to take it you know it, it, yeah. it's not your red truck it's a red truck that reminded me of a of a, a time back in the oh, I don't know 80s or maybe 70s in uh, Sweden I think it was Stockholm. They had the green bikes. Have you heard of that that whole idea? Yeah, like the government bikes. They have those at colleges. Okay. Right? Well, oh, yeah, it might be the same thing at colleges because what happened was, yeah, the idea was uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a bike. You walk outside. You know, you're doing your business in your shop, whatever. You come out there, and you grab any one of these bikes. You take it, you know, across town, and you just leave it there, and then someone else gets it. When you come out, there's another bike there. Well, that all worked just fine, except what happened was, that uh, you know, everybody in, in, in Stockholm loved it because you know all the bikes were there and it's this great socialist experiment and everything. But what happened was the quick, quick. Uh, the mafias from Prague came in with pickup trucks, took them off, and then <laughs> sold them on the world market. See you tomorrow online, freetalklive.com. George Phillies is the right candidate for president, a serious, well-educated candidate who stands for the basic principles of liberty and the basic principles of this nation. Paid for by Phillies 2008. This is George Phillies, libertarian for president. I approved of this message.